Well, first of all, I want to welcome you uh, to this evening's uh, time together, our gathering. It is an amazing joy to be able to be with you, and uh, we're just praying that the Lord will minister to you. There's going to be some things that we talk about tonight that can get a little bit close, and we have been wearing masks for a long time now. And uh, while we've been in the pandemic for a little over two years, there are some people that really have been wearing masks for many, many years. And so what I'm going to do is just simply invite you to take those masks off, be here, be present. Um, you're amongst friends, and this is a welcoming, it's a lovely place to be. And uh, it's a great joy to be able to serve you. I'm Dr. Don Litchie. I'm the Vice President of Emerge Counseling Ministries in Ohio. I'm a licensed psychologist and um, delighted to be able to be with you. And I know that over these weeks, you're going to be talking about the whole person, your body, your mind, emotions, relationships, your spiritual life. And so we're going to tap into some of those areas today as we talk about the role that Jesus Christ has, the powerful role of helping us get past our past, because we all have one. So let's anchor what we do in Scripture, and I just simply want to bring your attention to several Scriptures. I'll highlight them. The first is found in um, the Old Testament uh, in the book of Isaiah, and in the book of Isaiah, the Scripture says this, and I like to just read this passage. It's Isaiah chapter 53, beginning with verse 4. And here the scripture says that uh, surely he, referring to Jesus Christ, surely he took upon himself our pain and he bore our suffering. Uh, the scripture says that yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was actually upon him. That's how much God loves us, by the way, the fact that, that this, as Romans says, while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we, like sheep, we've gone astray, and each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And that's probably some language that may or may not be familiar to you, but I just simply want to say this at the outset, that we serve a living God, and that living God loves you, and we've been separated uh, because of sin that has entered into the world, and there's brokenness, and there's pain, and the God who loves you says, welcome to the table, and not only welcome to the table, but he serves us. Uh, Ephesians chapter uh, 2 talks simply about the fact that there is... Um, the great God who loves us. Romans 3 talks about how God has intervened on our behalf. Romans 5 continues that narrative. And Romans 6.23 simply says that, uh, that God loves us so much and that if we're willing to place our confidence and trust in him. And I just, I just want to bring these to you. And so our goal tonight is very simply to talk to you about you and to talk about what Christ has done. So what is this whole thing about Jesus, and why in the world would you think that we would need a Savior? What does that even mean? 
Well, the word Savior sometimes is referred to as a redeemer or a rescuer or an advocate. Um, and then this strange word called born again, like we mean born again. What in the world is that all about? You know, how can this be? Uh, someone came to Jesus in John chapter 3, we, we see it, and he says, you know, God so loved the world, and, you know, if we place our confidence that, you know, that we would live forever, when this guy comes and talks to Jesus, and he says, all right, what is this all about, this born-again stuff? And Jesus said, well, you've been born once uh, of the flesh, but you need also to be born of the Spirit. And that's a gift of God. It's eternal life. And that life is actually found in Christ. The Greek word uh, is sozo or sozo. It simply means to make sound or to make whole or to heal or to save. Um, it's that not just saving from, but it's saving unto the kind of life that God has for us now in the kingdom of God. And that's one of the great things about this church is that it is a welcoming church. It's a church that, that genuinely loves people. It reaches into the community. It has a profound effect on this community. And uh, it's one of the wonders of the extension of the kingdom of God. And I just want to say that if you're here tonight, and maybe this is the first time you've even heard of this kind of language, I just want you to know that you're welcome here, that you're loved here, that you're accepted here, and that God really loves you, and that these people that are here at this church genuinely love you as well. So when we talk about this whole idea, and we'll get into our, our, our talk tonight, is the whole purpose of this salvation thing is the fact that that there is a broken relationship with God, and God, being merciful and loving, is also just. And so he's kind of like, what am I going to do? Well, something's got to pay, and he turns out that he loved us so much that he gave us his son so that we could have all of the benefits. It's sometimes called the great exchange, that Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves, so that we could actually live forever with him. Now, that's good news. We can have fellowship with him. We can have new life. Uh, and then now that we can become born again, we begin to extend his kingdom where what he wants done is done. But here's the downside. Are you ready for the downside? Here's the downside. Everybody has a history. And you bring that history, you bring that accumulation of life uh, into your present. And Jesus not only loves you forever, but he also wants to be here with you to help you get past your past. Think about that. To help you get past your past. How's that done? Well, one of the first things I'll sometimes ask people that come to see me for as a therapist is I'll say, so what are you full of? And they'll look at me and say, uh, well, wait a second. My friends are always telling me what I'm full of. And you're kind of like that word you're thinking about right now. That's oftentimes what comes to mind. But, you know, your life has an accumulating effect. And you come from a family of origin. You have this whole long generational history. You've got your temperament. You've got your personality. You've got the order that you were born in in your life. 
the, the expectations that were placed upon you, choices that you've made, all of this stuff, psychologically, we would say, moves past your sensory memory, your short-term memory, and it gets lodged in what we call your long-term memory, which is permanent. It's something that lasts. And we bring this whole accumulation of life into our present. And when we're born again, now we still bring all of that history into our born-againness. Everybody's got a history. Um, one famous writer by the name of Kevin Lehman wrote a book called The Birth Order Book. And while I like so much of what Kevin has said, it's really true that that even the order that you're born in, whether you like it or not, has something to do with who you are. It's not an exact science because there is not just the ordinal position that you're born in, but there's also the psychological position that you have in your family. And some of you may not have been born first, but you become the oldest emotionally and psychologically in your family. But, but birth order has something to do with who you've become. And not only that, but a lot of times the choices that you've made or things that have been said to you or the accumulation of life, sometimes that has caused uh, some great hurt in your life. Sometimes we call that shame. It's the, the you messages that people have said to you about you. And what's amazing is that those you messages are not internalized as you messages. They're internalized as I messages. And we will tend to live our lives according to what we say to ourselves about ourselves. And a lot of times we believe those things are true. They may or may not be true. In many cases, they're not true. But because we think them, many people think that they are true. And one of the great challenges that I'm going to have tonight to you is to say this, just because you think it does not necessarily make it true. It is okay to think about your thinking, to challenge your thinking, because everyone brings something into their adulthood, and sometimes we call this shame. So what is shame? Why does it hurt so bad? And where does it come from? And what can we do once we've been shamed? And how do we overcome that part of our past that's kind of painful? And what can we do? Because shame actually can become like a bondage to us, and we can experience the bondage of, of shame. It's, well, first of all, what is shame? Well, shame is this overwhelming, painful experience of embarrassment, of uh, humiliation that sometimes leaves the victim feeling alone or powerless or unworthy, uh, weak, hurt, and shame can really become internalized. As we say in my world, it can become internalized as trauma. And it can be painful. In fact, you're, that, that experience can develop even into the lens through which we look at life. Like our self-concept and how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about others and how we deal with relationships. Some of you, I realize, are not old enough to remember this little adage, but um, you think a little bit about it, names that were called to you, and 
a lot of times we just kind of sticked out the, you know, our chest and our stiff upper lip and we'd say, well, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Did you ever hear that before? You know what? That's not true. <laughs> words are really powerful. In fact, the scripture says that words have the power of life and death. It's amazing. Words can come in and words can, can affect us. And sometimes in part of your long-term memory, those words can keep you actually from fulfilling your life destiny. They can hold you down. They can become like chains in your life. And that's why we're talking about this tonight. It's about breaking the bonds of shame. It's getting past your past. Because oftentimes those you messages that were said to you about you have become the I messages of your adulthood. Let me say that again. The you messages of childhood can become the I messages of adulthood. And once they're in there, once they're formed, they are really, really hard to get rid of because uh, it's almost like there's something in our brain. Well, it's called the reticular activating system. That's a lot of big words. It just simply is like a guard that once it's established, it only lets things in that reinforce what we already believe. And so it's a challenge to challenge what you're thinking. Think about you're thinking, what have you learned to say to yourself about yourself? Because oftentimes people have this view of themselves that is like, I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not handsome enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not enough. And you realize that when that's in your life, not only is it painful, not only can you lose face, but there are few things in life that are more painful than shame. It can be something that really controls our life. And you say, well, Dr. Don, where does shame come from? I can tell you it can come from a lot of places. It can come from parents. Sometimes it can come from leaders, coaches, strangers, someone that cuts you off on the street, someone that you weren't going fast enough and they'll call you a name and sometimes that will tap into something that is from your history and your past. It can come from teachers and it can come from anyone really that has some way of speaking into our life. The power of words, it's amazing. Anyone who really has power over us can help create shame within us. So, all right, Dr. Don, you've painted a pretty bleak picture here. It comes to us from all different sources. It's lodged in our long-term memory. It affects even our bodies, our minds, our emotions. It affects our, our relationships and even can affect how we view God. That's powerful, right? So how do we get past a painful past? What can we do? Well, in trauma therapy... I'm going to help you be amateur psychologists here. But in trauma therapy, one of the, the great works, of course, is by Francine Shapiro, and she wrote a book called Getting Past Your Past. And in this book, what she writes about is identifying shame or identifying trauma. And she asks these very important questions. Number one, 
She says, uh, when is the first time that you felt this way? When's the worst time that you ever felt this way? When's the most recent time? First, worst, most recent. In other words, you've got to put a name to it. You have to verbalize it. You have to say what you've believed about yourself. And I will tell you that shame affects not only your thinking, but it can actually have physical effects, affect your body. It can affect you spiritually. Uh, people really need help with their soul it, oftentimes because of shame. And certainly, you realize that shame can really hinder our ability to trust because we have believed some things that are true that in many cases are not true at all. So what do we do? We look at reviewing our past. And, you know, if you look back and you do, I call it the, the scan of your life and and you've had some great experiences with parents and coaches and loved ones, and you've been affirmed and you've been valued, and someone says, you know, I think you're a winner, you've got a great future. Uh, can I just tell you, rise up and call that person blessed. Maybe this person was a champion for you that believed in you, that came alongside and said, you know, you've got it written all over you. You're a winner. Man, oh man, how blessed you are. But as you review your past, maybe that was not the case. Maybe there has been hurt or pain or someone has said something to you that's been really harmful. And that harm actually develops some lenses through which you view life. It's amazing. The lens through which we interpret life, it's how we see ourselves, it's how we see others, it's whether or not we can trust in relationships. It the, becomes the lens through which we look at, and a lot of times that lens becomes our reality, doesn't it? You know, the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament says, hey, the heart is deceitfully wicked uh, above all else who can know it. In other words, there's a whole lot going on in your life below the level of conscious awareness that is influencing us. And it can be just a little bit of a trigger, sometimes some smell, a taste, a relationship, a word that can bring it all come flooding back. And you've had that experience, haven't you? We all have. So here's the question. How can Jesus help us get past a painful past? Well, I've got some really good news for you. Are you ready for some good news? Here's the good news. We do not live according to the events of our past. What? What? Say that again. We don't live according to the events of our past. We live according to the memory and the interpretation that we give to the events of our past. And thank God, those can be edited. We can learn to look at things differently than we have looked at them. So how do you do that? Okay, Dr. Don, you've got my attention. So you're saying this bad thing that happened to me and the way that I'm in processing and terminating, it, did, it really did happen, right? Yes, it really did happen, but we don't live according to the event. We live according to the memory of the event and the interpretation that we give to the event. 
And that is something that can be very fluid. Now, that's true because we cannot redo the past, but we're living it in our minds. So let me give you some things that have been really helpful to me and to the, well, 47,000 hours of clinical work that I've done over the last 37 years. One, it is important to talk about the pain. Number two, that you can pour it out and have an emotional response. And then it's important to stop and be still and allow the Holy Spirit to actually help you see things differently and make sure you praise God. Hey, let's take a moment and let's take those things and let's, let's pull it apart a little bit, okay? Do you mind? All right, take the mask off. So you're going back in your mind right now and you're thinking of some painful event or series of events or painful rejection or losses or something that's gone on in your mind. And I want to invite you tonight, even beginning tonight, but this is not just a one and done thing, but begin to realize you can talk to God honestly about that thing, that situation, that person that has created so much pain in your life. Maybe it's been a loss. Talk to God honestly. You realize that God can take it, and there may be ways in which you express your emotions to God, and that's going to be step number two, that you express your feelings openly and honestly. You cry out. Sometimes the, the Word of God uses the word lament. There's a whole series of psalms, for example, called the imprecatory psalms, where David just cries out to God, and he says, God, just in case you haven't noticed, I've been trying to live my life right, and, and I'm not being blessed. And these guys over here, they're not loving you. They're not serving you. They've done bad things, and they seem like they're getting ahead. And I just want you to break their teeth out. You say, Dr. Dunn, that's in the scriptures? Yes, it is. Now, I'm glad God doesn't always answer all of our prayers, but I can tell you this, that God never condemned David for his honesty. You can take the mask off. You can get alone before God, close the doors, shut the shades, get alone before God, and cry out to God exactly how you feel. Pour those emotions out until you are spent. Sometimes in my world, we call that catharsis. It's just simply getting it out. And a lot of times, believers, Christians in particular, feel like, oh, I can't be that open and honest with God because maybe he will be mad at me. I can tell you, God won't be mad at you. He welcomes you. The good, the bad, the ugly, you can share it all with God and talk honestly. And in fact, you can pour your heart out. But step number three is one of these really, really critical important things to remember. And that is, after you've poured your heart out, and again, you may need to do this several times, but be still. Be quiet. Sit alone and see how the Holy Spirit shows up. Because God loves you enough. He actually can help you reinterpret 
and give you a new meaning for that painful thing from your past. You see, the enemy is always wanting to remind you of the worst things of your life, always wanting to remind you of your mistakes, always wanting to keep you down because the enemy hates Christ and he hates the work of the kingdom and he does not want you to fulfill your design that God has for you. Get alone, be open, be honest, pour your heart out, be still, and allow the Holy Spirit to help you see things differently. Joseph had to do that in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis. He was given a raw deal. He was falsely accused. He was sold into slavery. He was thrown into prison. I mean, this guy was just abandoned and lost. And as time began to work in his heart, and God began to work in his heart, he began to see things differently. And later on, at the very end of the book of Genesis, when his brothers, who had done him so much wounding and so much damage, they were revealed and they found out it was Joseph, they thought they were really going to get it. And you know, Joseph looked at his brothers and he said, guys, listen, I have worked through this long ago, and I can see that what you intended for harm, God was working for good. There's nothing good in what happened. Don't get me wrong. But God is good, and God can help you get past a very painful past. So you see, when that happens, that you can move this through, and, and you can begin to question those things that you have thought were true about you. And you realize, no, those things are not really true. This is not the way that God sees me. Can we do a little experiment? We okay to do a little experiment? Is that all right? Could you take a look at this picture and tell me what you see? How many of you see the old lady? How many of you see the young lady? You know what's amazing? Is that your brain will not allow you to see both at the same time. You're looking at the very same thing, but you're looking at it entirely differently. So take a look at that for just a moment. All right, if that's not good enough, let's try this one. What do you notice when you see this? How many of you see the faces? And how many of you see the vase? But your brain won't allow you to see both at the same time. You see, you can begin to look at the same thing differently because we don't live according to the events of our past. We live according to the memory and the interpretation that we give. And this is where right now the Holy Spirit is helping you to realize that painful thing from your past that you've been living with, that you've believed about yourself. That can be edited. You can actually look into the face of Christ and begin to see things differently. In fact, if you look at this picture, you really begin to see the whole story of the gospel. If you look a little closer, it's quite amazing. So here we are. You know, we, we live in this world, and I can tell you that the enemy really does know your name, but loves to call you by your sin. And Jesus, who knows your sin, decides to call you by your name. And you know what he calls you? He says, I love you. That means you're lovable. And you're valuable. And you're forgivable. And you're changeable. And Jesus says, I will never leave you 
and I will never forsake you. If you want to have a new identity, begin to rehearse these things. This is true from God's word, and it's based upon the work that Jesus Christ did upon the cross. God loves you so much. He, in fact, he loved you so much that when you were still the enemy of God, Christ died for you. You're lovable. You're valuable. Peter says that your salvation was not purchased with silver or with gold or anything that's perishable, but with the very precious blood of Christ. God paid a high price for you. You're valuable. And you're changeable and you're forgivable. He's, you, he's willing to forgive us of any sin that we're willing to confess. That's 1 John 1, 9. And, and Paul reminds us that, hey, when I was a child, I thought like a child and I spoke like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. In other words, I can think differently. And Jesus said, nothing you can do about it. I'm never leaving you alone. So... What are we talking about? We're simply talking about getting past a very painful past. So what have we talked about? We've talked about, you know, just the fact that without Jesus, we are really lost. But because of Jesus, we are really found. And God demonstrates his love for us. And while we're yet sinners, Christ died. And Jesus, who's living, who's right here by the power of his Holy Spirit, can help you get past a really painful past. You don't have to keep living with that distorted thought process, how it affects your body and your mind and your emotions and your relationships and your soul. You really can get past your past because I want to say to you, based upon the authority of God's word, he is not done yet with you. Can you receive that? Amen.